0: All right. Well, it was more of a war of 1812 than it was a Revolutionary War battle for throwing out our USA England analogies. But the men's national team stays undefeated in soccer. I guess we have to call it soccer now as well uh, against the Redcoats, a.k.a. the three Lions setting up what is just a massive, massive game uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, depending on what day you're listening to this uh, against Iran. Something you'd probably take before the tournament started. I mean, I know there are some people saying, you know, if you beat Wales, you can only need the draw. I don't know. I kind of like the scenario for the U.S. I'll explain it to you a little bit later. But uh, this is the Ringer Gambling Show's World Cup special podcast. I'm Steve Cerruti, as always, joined by the great Paul Carr. Paul, how are your nerves right now, man? Because I, there's just some nervous energy that I don't really know what to deal with right now.
2: Yeah, this morning I was doing some World Cup stuff with the schedule. And that's when I was like, wait, the U.S. plays tomorrow. And that's when everything kind of kicked in. So I've been pretty busy today with various World Cup and other things. I haven't had a lot of time to think about it, but yeah, this time or you know, twelve hours from now, fourteen hours from now, I'm gonna be a wreck.
0: It's just crazy because you're like, you know, we've waited so long for this to happen. We've had a couple games, and you're like, wait, like it, it could be over for the U.S. Yeah. tomorrow afternoon, and obviously, we'll still be around. We'll still be doing podcasts throughout the entire tournament, but we want the U.S. to go as far as possible. We certainly want to see a U.S. knockout game, and you know, right now, I think you know. <sighs> I don't know if that I feel great. I feel like I mean we're in a good situation. Like you want to be able to control your own destiny. They do do that. So right. we'll get to all of those different scenarios in a second. Just let me get to the rundown really quickly. Too, we're gonna go through every single group essentially, giving you what the scenarios are for teams to move on. Our picks, who we think moves on. Our best bets will come at the end of the podcast. But uh, Paul, we got just let's just continue this and start with the U.S. Let's do. Let's go back to the England game, uh, which I think you know you would take it a draw against England. Pretty much every time, if you're the U.S., yep. I thought this is the second straight game in which the U.S. were probably the better side and still yep. come away with a point. If you're England, I thought that was an embarrassing performance for them. What was your biggest takeaway from from nil nil England USA?
2: Yeah, the U.S. definitely on the whole played better than I expected. And relative to England, I kind of kept waiting for England to do something, you know, turn it on. It's like that you know, meme where it's like, you know, the stick. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was afraid the whole time they're gonna, you know, throw on Grealish and whatever other subs you wanna make and just like blitz the US for ten minutes under heavy pressure. Uh but it never really happened. And I, you know, part of that is the US game plan, which I think, you know, just what the way they had the guys positioned and more of a four four two was con- maybe I don't know, confused, but It did seem to confuse England a little bit tactically. Uh, Harry Kane wasn't getting any service, wasn't up top. He was dropping super deep. And yeah, it was a good job by the U.S. It was a lot like the Wales game in the sense that you tell me before the game that I can have a draw and I'm pretty happy with that. You tell me at like the 60 minute mark that I can have a draw and I'm going to be a little disappointed. That's kind of where I landed on that.
0: Such a weird, again, I came out less impressed with England than I was impressed with the U.S.'s result. Somebody just because somebody told Gareth Southgate like Phil Foden is one of your best players like play the guy. I don't understand how I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't get the Grayish love. I know he scored in the first game. Um, I think Foden runs circles around him as far as just like a guy wanting a foxhole and a situation, a must-win game. Mm-hmm. Trent Alexander Arnold doesn't get a sniff. I understand kind of why he's not great defensively, and that's kind of Southgate's calling card. As this going back to the first spot when I said missing Reece James was a massive loss for this team because I think yep. he's maybe their best all-around player. But still, like it just, I'm just confused by England's tactics. And you know, from a U.S. perspective, I think you know again people were surprised that we didn't get Brendan Aronson until off the bench. We did get to see Gio Reyna a little bit. Who knows if we'll see them. We'll get to that in a second when we talk about the Iran matchup. Um, but I thought it was, you know, a, a steady performance. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't really mean a ton to get the draw. I mean, they, they pr- pretty much still control their own destiny, whether they lost that game, just, you know, didn't get blown out. I expected to be like a one nil, two nil. A lot of mm-hmm. my bets reflected that. We took the L on that. I was happy to take the L there as well. But, you know, for England, I think looking at this, You know, this at least sets up something where they need something in the last game against Wales. So for me, I think Wales is all but eliminated because I don't think there's any chance that they're going to beat England. But um, from a U.S. perspective, I think you know at the end of the day, would you take this exact scenario before the tournament started, Paul?
2: Yeah, if I you have to beat Iran, a team that is you know generally not quite as good, but you know a similar tier internationally as the U.S., all you got to do is beat them to advance. I think that's. About all you can ask for is in one of these mid tier teams like the US is in a group with two others in that same level. Um, the thing that frustrated me, and that, we'll see how hot takey this is, but I feel in some ways like the US is kind of like uh, an NFL coach not going for it. So let's say, NFL, you're down three, and you have fourth and goal from the two or three yard line, let's say, you can kick the field goal and basically take overtime, or you can go for the win. I feel a little bit like the U.S. in both of these games kind of kicked the field goal and to stretch out their World Cup as long as possible, which, you know, there's something to that. But the goal is also to get out of the group and you had a chance to kind of really go for it in both of these games and it didn't quite play out. And I know there was a downside. Uh, Like I said, England has something to play for, which helps the U.S. in a way. But I I just feel like both those games were missed opportunities that the U.S. had to get a win, could already have four points, could only need a draw or maybe even less to get through. Um, So that's kind of let me feel it. I feel like it was a missed opportunity and the U.S. played a little bit conservative, played not to lose more than they did to win.
0: Uh, Since we're throwing takes out there, I I completely agree with you, Paul. And I think the other side of that coin, though, would be Canada, who came up balls to the wall. Right. I thought played well probably in, at parts of both games, maybe not the the one against Croatia, although they took the lead early. And they, yeah, sure, they played mm-hmm. great football, they played great soccer, but they have zero points and they're already eliminated. So like that's the other side of that yeah. coin. Um, yeah. I don't think the US would have been in that scenario if they had tried a little bit harder to win some of these games, but but that I right. guess is the uh, the counter argument.
2: Yeah. And I think Canada showed some inexperience at big tournaments, especially against Croatia. You get that one goal lead. Uh I'm not saying you have to completely bunker in, but Bunkering in is a lot of kind of what Canada did so well in qualifying, especially against Mexico and the U S defend, uh, defending that low block, break at pace. And they really didn't do that. So yeah, you get a lead. I know it's hard when you do in the second minute, but you get a lead. You got to adjust your tactics a little bit, especially when it's basically an elimination game. Uh, yeah. So Canada is definitely the opposite extreme of what the U S did.
0: Well, while we're throwing out takes, I've got one for you as well. Paul. Right. I actually don't think. I'm not saying that I prefer the scenario because obviously a, a, you'd want to draw to get in to advance yeah. if you're the U S but I actually don't hate that they need a win because you know for so, I, I do get flashbacks of 2017 Trinidad Tobago where it's like oh yeah mm-hmm. just go out there and get the result you yeah, don't have to right, wrong me- you don't have the right mentality right you you come out you just completely lay an egg and you lose uh, at least the U S they know they need a win they have to come yeah. out they have to Put the you know the pedal to the floor they have to try to score they're iran we know what they're going to do they're going to sit back in a low block and they hit you on the counter luckily i mean you know they've got two strikers um who would walk into the u.s's starting lineup um yeah. but johan bosch is out on on two yellow cards who's another one of their attacking players um i i do like the position the u.s is in where they're like we know that we need to win which means that we are going to put out an attacking lineup which means that we like we just know the objective more than you're playing on the front foot as opposed to, as opposed to trying to hold yeah. on Paul, I guess I that's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Is no. that, is that
2: insane? I don't think so. I mean, it simplifies everything. There is no, uh, scoreboard checking. You don't have to wait. What is this? England's winning. Now we need to do something different or Wales is winning. We've got to adjust. And now we have to go for it when we weren't before it, it certainly simplifies the whole process. Uh, and so I definitely see the advantage in that, you know, the downside of the U S going for it. Like I kind of wanted them to, if England then nicks a goal, you lose that game. Uh, then you have to do a little bit more of that scoreboard watching. You know you still have to win, but A, you might need some help, and B, England may not have to win. You know, England it may be all but through and maybe a little less motiva- motivated against Wales. So I, I do appreciate that it simplifies the situation for all teams as far as the U.S. is concerned.
0: Yeah, this is one of the most simple groups out there, I guess. I'll, I'll let you kind of lay out the scenarios. But, I mean, U.S., win and you're in, Um, and then what are we looking at? England basically needs a draw to advance. Yep. Uh, Iran's still very much in it. They get a draw. They likely advance. Wales can still technically beat England, which I don't think is going to happen. So everybody's still in it in this group, Paul.
2: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, there's always some root for chaos type of scenarios where things can get weird, but yeah, England's through with a winner draw Iran wins. They're through or draws assuming Wales doesn't win. U S needs a win. Wales needs a win and a draw from Iran U S. So pretty straightforward. And, I, I do appreciate as much as I love the chaotic situations. I also appreciate just from a trying to handicap it and a motivational standpoint, it's really much easier this way.
0: Yeah. We're likely not going down to fair play rules uh, in this right. group. Unfortunately, yeah. um, Maybe well, elsewhere. I, as I said, I know we'll get to that in just a little bit. Cause there are a couple of groups where it's like, Whoa, some of these sidebreakers are wild. Um, let's do a little bit more on a ran here. I mentioned Gareth Southgate. Like, do you know that some of your best players, <laughs> do you know they exist? Right. I, I will say the same about Greg Berhalter, who, Again, I think, I think tactically against England, again, it's, it's one of those things where I said it in the last pod and I'm going to say it again. I don't know how much credit to give him because I just don't think England showed up for that game. Um, but listen, a result is a result. So I'll tip my cap and we'll move on. But this is one of those things where I'm just like, do you just have to start your best players? Like, yep. why, don't, why don't we know we need goals? I heard um, the Fox broadcast talking about this. Why don't you start way up front? Have him be kind of like a fluid sort of like get in behind type guy. Pulisic's going to be the left. Put Aaron Sinergio out on the right because you know you got to break down a defense. Um, and you know, then you could play your Musa, McKenney, Adams midfield and potentially bring on the the, the odd man out, which would be Aaron Sinergio. Bring them off the bench if you need to go late. I just think like when when your backs to the wall, you know you need a win, you know you need to score against a team that's going to basically try to get a nil-nil. Play your best attacking players. Paul. That would yeah. be my biggest advice. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we'll probably see Josh I Sargent. So. But that I, again, this is I think it's so simple. Like, why is it so simple for us to sit here and look at this, and why is Greg so against it? I, I just don't understand. I
2: think, I mean, I think part of it's just his system. I mean It's what he's used at the club level. You know, go back to his Columbus days when it was you know Zardes or someone starting up top and just banging in goals from that number nine spot because all the skill guys around him get him the ball in good positions. Um, so I think that's part of it. Is his system is almost predicated on having that almost pivot up top that everyone else kind of works off. And if that pivot is moving all over the field laterally, that kind of changes what everyone else has to do and and find space. So I I think that's part of it. Um, And it's a weird, it's a weird dilemma because I've been doing game notes for Fox for this tournament. Like half the teams are more. The big question is who's their number nine. Like they just need someone up there like Denmark's in the same boat. You know, they have four league goals from five forwards this season or something like that. Um, and it's, it is interesting in this, the game has gotten so fluid over the last 10, 15 years, but that's still the question out there that teams need to kind of operate off of the U S is in the same boat.
0: I it's one of the fun things about international soccer is how incomplete some of these teams are and how they just have to piece it together. Like, you'll have some nations that have just, like, a, a, an embarrassment of riches at one position. Right. Scott, Scotland at fullback, for example, or, yeah. like, uh, was it Slovenia, Slovakia at uh, at goalkeeper right. or whatever, right. and but nothing else, right? And, you know, it's, like, uruguay has got a ton of strikers and right. although they don't really know how to use them we'll get to that in a little bit as well right. but Croatia is full of midfielders they don't have a number nine number not exactly ever since manjucus has been out uh, right. basically not out but too old um it, it does make it does make it kind of fun because they're just like piecing these different things together yep. it's basically making imperfect pieces fit together um you know I, let, let's let's get to i guess our prediction for first off Paul, you're sitting on a what iran plus 400 to
2: advance ticket right I've, yeah, Iran plus 400 to advance. So that that affects the bets I'm playing in this game because... Tell us how. To be honest, and I'm not sure if this is my U.S. pessimism coming through, but I kind of like Iran in this game, uh, whether it's on the double chance or, or straight to win this. I have no reason to play that because I basically already have it mm-hmm. in hand at four to one. So there's no reason. Uh, so if I'm going to play this game, which I will, uh, it won't be on a side just because I'm either... you know, I guess I could take the U.S. and try to hedge it that way. Uh, but I'd rather put myself in a spot where I could win a couple different bets rather than double up on one or, you know, kind of hedge and, and take away my value from the other.
0: Yeah. So this this is almost like a win-win scenario for you. Either you get right. you, you right. your bet or you're happy because the it, US what wins. It is, it's a
2: big emotional hedge you know, yeah. right? before this tournament. So yeah, if the US falls through, at least you know, I have a little bit more money in my account to cry into.
0: Yeah. Um. I I'm kind of with you. Like if I... I'm not going to bet against the U.S. Like we're U.S. Right. fans, I'm not going to sit here right, and tell you right. that I'm going to put you know money on on the double chance. But I think you're right. If I'm a new, if I'm looking at this from a neutral perspective, I, I'm probably going to be on a wrong side. And you know. I, I also, I mean, if, if I'm gonna bet this, I do like I say under two and a half goals is minus one seventy two. Under one and a half is plus one eighty two. Yeah. I mean, you can still get a US one nil win out of that and still mm-hmm. hit your bet and, yeah. and still
2: and you try know to, it, try to middle the emotional financial bet.
0: Exactly. And that's so that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I, I think if you mm-hmm. look at the you know, the straight numbers of the situation, uh yeah. Iran is plus three hundred, the draw is plus two thirty, the US is minus one oh five. I mean, you're getting even money for a U.S. win. I Okay, if you want to do it, go right ahead. I I, I don't know if that'll be on it's not that. Not the worst but, thing. But I, I from a neutral perspective, I I <laughs> I would I would probably give out. I not saying I'd give out Iran as the best bet if you know double chance. If if I was you know impartial in this situation, but I'm I'm also not saying I wouldn't do that.
2: Yeah, I like the same bet I made and won in the England U.S. game, which is under half a goal in the first half at plus one seventy, because I think this first It'll half will look very similar. Um, and you know, kind of, I don't I don't know. Kind of like the Wales game in the sense that neither team is a super attacking threat, but obviously the U S grabbed that game and and took advantage of it. I don't think Iran will let the U S do that. Uh, you mentioned Iran has two forwards who would start on the U S. So they've got the two best, you know, number nines or real traditional strikers in the feet on the field. Um, so that's something that I think will give the U S pause just in the sense that Iran could probably rip you open on the counter a little bit more easily than Wales could or even than England showed that they could uh, for that matter. So I I think this will be a nervous, cagey, stereotypical first half. So yeah, under half a goal first half or nil-nil a half, whatever your book has, plus 170 or so. I like here.
0: Yeah, this is the classic styles make fights game where you go. Oh, yeah, like Iran is playing the exact scenario that is terrifying to, right. you know, with Tim Reeman, and Walker Zimmerman back and us needing a goal and probably getting a bunch of men forward. So yep. before we move on to the England game, cause I do have a couple bets in the England game that I do like if they do lose or if they draw, off they don't advance. Uh, what do you think the future of Burr Halter is? Man,
2: I don't see how you can keep him for another cycle from a competitive standpoint. The question I guess is, did he do enough kind of behind the scenes and cause in team building and those relationships both with players and with the U.S. soccer decision makers to stick around because this is a big decision because the next World Cup is here. Uh, And that's part of the X factor too. The U.S. will not have a qualifier for this World Cup, presumably. We don't officially know this, but you you always get the automatic bid as host. So this next cycle is going to look very different than the one before. I don't really know what that means from a, if I'm, you know, soccer boss is trying to decide on the coach, but you've definitely got to have somebody who has a plan, who knows how to take advantage of the system. So in that sense, I think Burhalter's is kind of a good fit, which I know won't make a lot of people happy. But I will say in general, I'm just a fan of changing coaches every World Cup cycle. So if they lose, I think it'd be hard to keep around.
0: Yeah, unless unless there's like a reason screaming telling you that this person has to stay. I think you mentioned the culture thing. Again, I, I, it feels like backhanded compliments. I I like Greg. I think, you know, he clearly plays a style that he, he wants to play an attractive style of the sport, which I respect. I just kind of look at it and I go, the U.S. has had success being the scrappy underdog, working hard, Clint Dempsey, scrappy goals, being hard to break down. And I wonder, yes, I know this is like our quote unquote golden generation. And yes, you had mentioned the 2026 World Cup, all those players likely to be in their prime. You want to put on a show in 2026. Um, I just wonder if he stylistically goes against what, what right. we are as the soccer yeah, nation. Know. Yes, yeah. that would be my, that would be my biggest takeaway.
2: It'd be. And I mean, I think the obvious name looming out there is Jesse Marsh, who plays a lot of that traditional American style, just yep. in kind of a red bull eyes sort of way He um, his
0: tight pants, just yeah. coming, coming on over yeah, bring a little bit it, of yeah. a
2: Euro look, but that's a, and you know, he said, he's obviously interested in the job, not, he's not politicking for the job, but when he asks, he will say, of course I'd sure. like to have it. Who wouldn't want to, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, He'd be lying through his teeth otherwise. So uh, that'll be a big decision because I wouldn't hate keeping Burhalter around in some ways, but yeah, you also have to have you also have to have a plan. You know, this, you should not fire him and then start looking. Mm-hmm. You gotta have your shortlist in mind, or at least your qualifications, how you want to find somebody in mind, uh, rather than just let him go and then figure out what's next.
0: All right, what's uh Before we move on, what is your prediction? I mean, put put betting aside. We're just both going to say 1-0 because we hope that's what the, what the result is.
2: <laughs> I'd take it and run. Um, to me, it feels like a 1-1 game. Um, I just think a Ron-Knicks one at some point, if they need it, or they get it against the run of play and then the U.S. gets one back. Um, yeah, it feels like a 1-1 type of game to me. I, again, maybe I'm talking myself down so I can be even more excited if it works out for the U.S., but that's, that's where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah, keep the expectations low. You'll never be disappointed. <laughs> That's
2: right. That's right. <laughs> That's the words to live
0: by. All right. Let's the other the other side of this group, which I, I do actually like a couple things here is, is England. You know, needing needing a result. Paul, I'm going to say it right off the bat, I, I think this is a this is kind of a rivalry game. Obviously, Wales, England, the proximity, what, the yeah. United Kingdom, the crown, all this different, all this different stuff. Yeah. Um, Wales are still in it, but I think that result against the U.S. is really going to s- sort of like. It, I think it's going to get the wheels turning for Southgate, the team. They're not going to mess around. I really like England minus one plus thirty. I think this this is two nil minimum. I think they. I'm not saying it's a six two hammering like it was with yeah. uh, with with Iran, but I do think England. I, they're going to want to go into the knockout stages feeling good about themselves, not like scraping by with a point and I I do think it could kind of get out of hand, especially if they get down a goal, that being Wales. You know, they can get kind of open at the back. They're not very good defensively. I could see this being 2-0, 3-1, even worse, um, because I just think England are going to have to care about this game.
2: Yeah, and it's, the talent discrepancy is so huge. Massive. And, and just the style. You know, Wales, again, we've seen how they play. They, you know, let's say the style, they're a, Talent level similar to the US, which we could debate, but if it is, well, still doesn't play as aggressively as the US does, which is obviously a good thing for England. I mean, we saw them play a few years ago at Euros and England. They got a goal from, uh, Daniel Sturridge stoppage time to win it, but, you know, controlled most of that game. Uh, Wales got a goal. I think it was on a set piece as you would kind of expect. So yeah, I have a hard time not seeing England win this one or at least dominate. Um, I kind of like the under two and a half getting even money. It's a better price than I was expecting. It could certainly turn into an England route, but if I can get even money on under two and a half, I like that.
0: Yeah. Cause likely you don't think Wales is going to score. And right. it's one of those Wales things. Gets, too,
2: Wales is looking for a one, nil win.
0: My biggest fear in that bet of England minus one is they get the lead and they sit on it. Which Backdoor cover. <laughs> may, yeah. So then maybe do you say, all right, England to win one, nil, two, nil, or three, nil at plus one forty five. Um, is also not terrible but you're right the other two and a half is probably good too
2: so yeah, i just i just don't see yeah Wales gets one at the most i think and the question does england get two after that do they get one and then just sit on the draw and be fine because uh, they could you know just kind of suck the life out of that game and make Wales try to do something and that that may be enough
0: yeah so Sounds like we both we have England definitely moving on, and then you know hearts say <laughs> hearts, hearts say the U.S. US. probably lean leaner on, but you know, yes, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully our hearts went out. All right, let's do this. We're gonna go through the rest of the groups here as well and give out some bats. Let's move on to Group A. Very interesting group. Uh, underwhelming Netherlands team sits on mm-hmm. top with four points. Ecuador, who I I just I sneaky kind of like this team. I like them before. Yeah. Sit at four points as well. Senegal, three, and then Qatar, host nation,
2: with zero. They
0: are officially out. Uh, Give us the scenarios, Paul.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward here. Netherlands needs a winner, a draw. Ecuador needs a winner, a draw. Senegal needs a win. I mean, it's it's about as simple as... There's obviously some more permutations uh, beyond that, but those are the the pretty basic ones. So the the Ecuador-Senegal winner gets through. Ecuador does it with a draw, and as long as Netherlands gets a point, they're through as well.
0: So I I really liked Ecuador to to advance before group stage play started. I but I did want to sit and see what Senegal looked like as we talked about the Ewing theory thing, you never know. I I know they won 3-1 against Qatar. I had that as my, one of my best bets as the under. I thought that was kind of a weird flattered score. I I haven't been that impressed with Senegal. It's not that I don't want to root for them because obviously it sucks being without your best player, but I really Ecuador money line plus 140. I this yep. team is good enter Valencia to score plus two twenty. Can he make it three straight games? Like there, we talked about it before all these teams that don't have a striker. I mean, they have a straight up target man center forward yep. who bangs in goals for them. And that is one of the most valuable things. Two of the most valuable things in this tournament. One is like, you know, having a back line that is just steady and doesn't give up goals, including the goalkeeper. And then having a, just a straight up center forward who, you know, can rely on for goals. And that's why I think Ecuador win this game, Paul.
2: Yeah. I think, that, I think, I'm with you. Plus 140, I think it's a pretty good price. They went 700 plus minutes without allowing a goal uh, until they gave up uh, that one against the Dutch. And then they gave up one shot to Netherlands the rest of the way, one shot in 85 minutes, basically after the goal. So I, I think the defense is good. Senegal also, but I think Ecuador's just got a little bit more uh, in the midfield up top. Valencia is the man, as you said, assuming he's healthy, which it looks like he will be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like Ecuador at plus 140 also.
0: What about the other side of the other game here, uh, Netherlands versus Qatar? Qatar, you know, you know, zero points, but, you know, it's one of those situations where they still probably want, they're the host nation. They don't want to go out with zero points. I think they're going to put up a fight. I thought the yeah. 3-1 score against Senegal, as I mentioned, wasn't really an indicator of what that what, what that game really was. And Netherlands have been, you know, they they play Gakpo and they play Bergwijn up front. They don't really have a true stiker. Memphis Depay usually comes on at halftime. He doesn't look like the same guy. Yeah, he's not healthy yet. I, I don't know that I will bet on this game, but if I did, I kind of lean towards Qatar plus two.
2: Yeah, I would not lay the goal and a half with Netherlands. It's pretty juicy, and I just feel like even if the Dutch they get a two nil lead, again the backdoor cover comes through, or they just get a, all they need is a draw. If, so they mm-hmm. get a, up by a goal. I don't think they're doing anything uh, much after that. So yeah, I, I don't really want any part of this game either. But I would lean toward Qatar getting a goal or a goal and a half
0: the only thing that makes me a little nervous is obviously you win this group. You want to win this group because you're likely going to have to play England if you're the right. runner up and – you know, I I don't, yeah. I don't know that I would fancy them against England. Uh, no, that's, in, that's
2: the reason to bet Netherlands, basically, is that they'll be motivated because they want to win the group and not play England. But I haven't seen enough out of Netherlands that they can turn it on in that way yet.
0: No, definitely. They're just, you know, Cody Gakpo has been kind of like the breakout, one of the breakout stars of yeah, this it's been World great. Cup. Certainly great. Heard a lot about him. I haven't really watched a ton of PSV games. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't watch a lot of the Dutch League, unfortunately, but it sounds like he'll be on the radar of a ton of big clubs after this uh, after this tournament's over. Uh, let's move on to Group C. Absolutely fascinating group. Maybe yeah. maybe the most fascinating of, of any. We got Poland sitting on top, uh, who, I, again, I'm not that impressed with. Poland at fo- with no. four points sitting top of the group. Argentina does get the win against Mexico. They're on three points. Saudi Arabia sitting at three points as well, and then Mexico with one. Everybody is still alive, Paul. Tell us what's going on. Tell us the scenario.
2: Yeah, so we've got Poland and Argentina facing off. Poland needs a win or a draw to get through. Uh, Argentina needs a win to get through. They could also get with, through if both games are draws. Uh, Saudi Arabia's got Mexico. They just need a win to get through. Uh, they could also get through with a draw if Poland wins, but you can't really count on that. And Mexico is on life support here. They have to win and get a Poland win. That's the simple version, at least, to get through. There's some other, you know, weird goal difference tiebreakers that can come up. Uh, a lot of a lot of potential room for chaos here. But th- that's the basics. Argentina, Poland, Sa- Saudi Arabia, all through with the win. All through
0: with the win. Yep. Yeah. And then Mexico with a little bit of help. Let's yep. start with the big game then. Poland, Argentina. Uh, very nervy game against Mexico for, for Argentina again. I I just, maybe it is like this world cup thing where, you know, you just kind of can't trust them. I don't know if it's like a messy thing. The pieces don't necessarily look like they fit. Uh, I wasn't overly impressed, even though they, they get the win. I have the feeling, I mean, this is going to be to me, Poland sit back. They know they're in with a draw. If something happens, they can maybe try to push forward a little bit later. I kind of like the under two and a half. It's minus 136. I think this is one of those ones where potentially scoreless first half, and we're in the second half going, is Argentina going to score or get knocked out of this tournament?
2: Yeah, yeah, that'd be a a fun one. Poland's just kind of defending for their lives, and Argentina has to score. Poland's fine with a draw. Um, I, I still don't trust Poland. I mean, I know they got the two goals, but yeah, wasn't impressed with them all that much either. I still feel... Like Argent- I feel like it's easier for Argentina to turn it on than it is for Poland. And Argentina just has a few more players who could just do something magical in the way that Messi or uh, Fernandez did. So yeah, I, I, I lean Argentina here because I think they'll just get it done. And I just think they have a really good team that has you know, been through the rigors of Conway qualifying and come out really well and had a huge undefeated streak. And I just trust them more than Poland. It's, it's not a hot take going with the better team there, but that's kind of where I've landed right now.
0: Yep. To your point about Poland as well, uh, I. People are talking about Lewandowski being oh you know he got the monkey off of his back he scored the goal I mean yeah. that goal was a, it was a complete fluke <laughs> right it, it was a
2: great moment like the celebration was great and he was so happy and relieved yeah. and it was it was good it doesn't change my perception of Poland as a team and uh, the chance of getting through but it was it was one of those great emotional World Cup moments
0: yeah and uh, so the other side we got Saudi Arabia Mexico Saudi Arabia I mean. You'd have to kind of like them to get through mm-hmm. here. They're 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 a sneaky tough team to play. Obviously, they the, with a massive upset in the first game, losing to Poland. But you know, I I, w- I was still impressed with them even in the loss. They let's see here, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, the over two and a half minus one thirty two. I so I think realistically, both teams know that they need to win to go to move on. Right. So I'm I wondering guess, if that's the play. But is that also like kind of too obvious? Obviously, minus one thirty two suggests that Vegas think that's where it's going to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mexico's been legitimately good defensively so far I mean, they've given up 11 shots and 1.3 expected goals in two games the issue is they haven't done anything offensively that's the big question i mean (laughs) i'll be curious to see so against argentina they came out with two forwards and instead of the usual three that they have i think that was just a tactical thing against argentina to give them another guy at the back um but they still haven't solved that forward problem if you have you know, Lozano and Vega on the wings, are they going to put Jimenez back in the middle? Or try Henry Martin again after he was very ineffective in the first game. I don't know where Mexico is going to get goals. And, you know, and we know Saudi Arabia is a, a pretty tight conservative sort of team. So I like under two and a half at even money. I think that's, a again, a pretty good price. Or plus 106, I think, was the last price I saw uh, on that. I like that just because... I haven't seen much from either team that suggests that they can just flip a switch and go get some goals. Mm
0: -hmm. Saudi Arabia, double chance too. So winner draw plus 115. I like that that being on the plus side of the money. I don't know that I'll play any of those. Uh, I I likely will play Poland-Argentina under two and a half. The other side, I I just don't know. These teams kind of feel like you mentioned, like statistically, yes, Mexico has not been where were the goals coming from? It's just completely dried up, but also like they're an incredibly desperate team. So you just never right. know there could be goals on both ends. Yep. Uh, so probably a stay away from me, but I think if I had to play it, I would probably play the double chance for Saudi Arabia and have that move on. Yep. Yeah. I would have said that before the tournament started. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's how you're going to take Saudi <laughs> Arabia, double chance.
0: <laughs> Love that. Uh, all right, moving on group D uh, mostly straightforward here. France gets yeah. the big win over Denmark. Uh, they sit atop the group with six points. Australia, who I, who I basically said was one of the worst teams in the tournament. I still think that. Um, sorry, <laughs> those people on Twitter that got mad at me about that. Uh, they're at three points. Denmark, one point, and Tunisia, one point as well. The good thing is, Australia and Denmark are essentially a playing... It's essentially a playing game, Paul. Mm-hmm. So we'll give us the scenarios.
2: Yeah, I mean, Australia's through with a win. Uh, Denmark's through with a win, assuming Tunisia does not win. Uh, Tunisia has to beat France and get a draw from Australia-Denmark. Or if Tunisia and Denmark both win, then it comes down to tiebreakers. So it's, you know, we're going to assume France beats Tunisia or at least draws and which leaves the Australia-Denmark winner going through, uh, which, which should be pretty interesting. I mean, Denmark's obviously considered much better. They went toe-to-toe with France for much of that game. Uh, Australia's a little more of a smash and grab type of team, but they've, you know, they're, they're a little better than I expected. I'm not saying they're, they've been really good, but they have at least done what they've tried to do fairly well through a couple of games
0: yeah I, th- I mean, I know they beat Tunisia. I don't know again i I wasn't thoroughly impressed with them in that win. Congrats, you get the W, but I don't know that this is like make, it makes me think any differently about them at the end of the day, Denmark tried and true veteran laden team. I'd be stunned if they don't advance here and get the win. The question is what does it look like? So a couple things I'll throw at you. the Denmark money line plus under two and a half is plus two forty yeah Denmark to win ten nil, so one nil, two nil or three nil is uh what do we got that's plus. I'm sorry, 2-0 is Denmark to win anything. To, so basically to win and then the, and then have Australia not score, that's plus 139. And then a 1-0, 2-0, nil, nil, or 3-0 Denmark is plus 175. So to me, Australia are going to sit here defend for their lives because likely a draw sees them through. Denmark, I can see them scoring and kind of sitting on it and controlling the game. I, I think I, if you're going to play Denmark, I think that's kind of the way you have to go, Paul,
2: right? I do too, yeah. I mean, they're like minus 200 just for the win, which you, know, you could play that, but usually you want to get something a little more of an interesting price. there, Yeah. Parlaying that with under two and a half goals or win to nil makes the most sense to me here because yeah, this is what Denmark does. They're kind of a, that classic, professional type of team where they have, you know, pretty good talent, not world beaters, but they play well together. And it's what they, they do what they have to do to get out of the group and move on. It's what they've done at the last few major tournaments they did against in 2018 against France. All they needed was a draw in the finale. And it was just like the dullest nil-nil type of game you can imagine because France was already through and Denmark just kind of grinded out. So it feels like a similar sort of thing. And they come up with like a one nil type of win.
0: I could see, too, the first half nil-nil is plus 190. This is a similar situation, I think, to a couple other games that we've talked about where nervy first half, maybe, as I mentioned, the the Argentina-Poland game where it's like, you know, it's still nil-nil at half and everything to play for in the second half. I could see... Listen, I I think Denmark move move on, but I still think this could be a little bit of a nail-biter, you know, depending on how the -hmm. the Australians look defensively. Um, But plus 190 for a nil-nil first half is interesting to me as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. The one thing... This is where the simultaneous thing comes in because... You know if uh the only danger to Denmark will say just buttoning things up for the first half is what if Tunisia goes ahead by a goal, then Denmark suddenly might need to win by multiple goals mm-hmm. uh, to win the tiebreaker as well uh, but it, it does seem like it's what Denmark will do because their pragmatic style is just you know keep it nil nil as long as you can, get a goal at some point, and then just coast on home
0: so. You mentioned France, Tunisia. This is a complete stay away for me. Do you have anything nah. on this? Like, I don't know what <laughs> I thought you were going to say and predict what line I mean, of France is going to put out there, how right. much Tunisia can give them a run for their money. I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, no idea. Um, yeah, do you play Mbappe and company? Do you play everybody? I mean, because you do have some... The one thing you have to play for, uh, well, I guess it's a little more in Group C. Like, Argentina wants to win that group, so they don't have to play France. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really know what that will... Uh, do from a, a France perspective, or if they even care, because they beat Argentina in the round of 16, four years ago. So yeah, I don't, I'm not touching this game because you just don't know who's going to be out there. There's also the, you know, Tunisia was a former colony of France and 10 guys on the team were born there and several of them play in the French league. Uh, those can get weird when, you know, it's almost a like a family brawl type of thing. Yep. So that, that could be something. So yeah, I'm staying away from France, Tunisia.
0: Yep. Group B, another, maybe other than Group C, the most interesting group that there yeah. is out there left. So we've got Spain uh, at top of the group but with four points. We've got Japan at three. Costa Rica, shout out to the Ticos with three points, ah. um, which is incredibly unexpected. And Germany with one point, getting that point against Spain. Last pod, Paul, we talked about how Germany were basically dead. I don't think anyone could, as much as you know, we've had some insane results. I mean, Japan losing to Costa Rica. I think you could argue is the worst single result in this entire tournament because of what was at stake and how bad Costa Rica
2: are. Yeah, given the context of everything where if Japan had won that, they would would have been through if they would have won that based on the other results and not had to worry about trying to scrape something out against Spain.
0: And now you're playing a Spain team in Japan, is playing Spain, a Spain team that needs something out of this game, likely, uh, just to feel safe about themselves. They're going to want to win the group. And, you know... Germany, Costa Rica, you'd have to, uh, you, you, I, as much as I, I love the fight for the Ticos after losing 7-0, I just, they, they have four total shots the entire tournament as they scored one goal. But like they <laughs> right. just, they haven't done anything. They really have not done anything. Yeah. So you'd have to tip Germany to get, the, to get the three points there. So really, unless Japan get a result against Spain, it seems very unlikely. So why don't you give us the scenarios?
2: Yeah, so again, relatively straightforward, at least on the surface. Spain just needs a point to get through against Japan. Uh, Japan pretty much has to win they could also go through with two draws, but you're kind of assuming Germany is going to beat Costa Rica. Uh, Costa Rica has to win, or they could draw if Spain wins as well. So a win or a draw might do it for Costa Rica. So I kind of assume they're just going to batten down the hatches, try to scrape out a draw, a nil-nil draw, and hope Spain takes care of business. Uh, and Germany needs help, which is crazy. They got to win, and they need Japan to lose. So it's so hard to see anything but just Germany romp. They're minus 1,000 to win the game. Um, but that's kind of what we thought about Japan, Costa Rica, too. And I know Germany is a different level here, but I just feel, this just feels like things are going to get weird. And uh, You know, it happened to Germany in 2018 on the last day of the group stage when things got nuts. Uh, they lost to South Korea. And I'm not saying they're going to lose to Costa Rica, but I just feel like something weird is going to happen. Either Japan takes a lead or Costa Rica scores their one shot first, or I don't, I don't know what it is. This is a great group and stuff's going to happen, I feel like.
0: So it sounds like you're, do you have any, I mean, it sounds like, you, the, I don't really know what to go with your bets here because I had a couple of things written down. I mean, I did, there is a way, I think, that you could make the Germany, like yes, you mentioned, minus 1,000 on the money line. I think there is a way to make that palatable and valuable. If you go Germany money line over one and a half, right. both teams to score no, that's minus 124. Listen, as I mentioned, Costa Rica had four shots the entire tournament. They're going to sit back. I just don't think they're going, I don't think it's going to be 7-0, but I could see it being 2-0 minimum. You know, I, I don't, I, Germany, it's one of those things where, you see death, and then like you get this second life, and you're like, okay, we we have to make sure we don't screw mm-hmm. this up again. That's kind of what I think is going to happen That's with this I German team.
2: And then I keep flashing back to so remember in '18, uh, Tony Cruz scored that free kick against Sweden at yep. the last second to kind of in a similar way stave off elimination or stave off you know death in the World Cup since for Germany, and they came out and just got beat by South Korea. Um, Costa Rica is not as good as that South Korea team, but. I, I don't know. I guess I have some muscle memory from 2018, which is weird because there were, you know, 50 years of not muscle memory or a different kind of muscle memory for Germany before that. Yes, yeah,
0: Germany pen into the knockouts. Like that's it. Right. Like every single time. Uh, so what, so is this, what is this a stay away? Like, well, I'm just, I don't know. I'm getting like some no, weird signals from I, you here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah.
2: I just, I struggle to, I mean, this is, so the obvious thing is basically what you said, find a parlay that has Germany winning by a lot or scoring multiple goals. Um, you know, there's an easy parlay option of like Germany and Spain wins, You know, play the chalk that way. But I trust Spain a lot more than Germany, even against a better opponent. Um, and I don't know, Costa Rica's just going to conquer half the heck out of this game. And Germany's defense is not great. It's just okay at best. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I struggle with this game. It seems, this group seems so obvious on paper that Spain and Germany should get through. And it feels like it's how it should be for this last day. But i just feel like my perception has been so turned on its head that I'm not sure what to do. And I'll probably end up staying away from this group.
0: So I I had the other thing I'd written down that I'm probably going to stay away from, but I think it's the way you probably have to bet Spain is to Spain minus one. So to win by two or more is plus one Oh five. I can see this be like the Spain don't fuck around. Like, you know, we're just going to take care of business and, You know, they're so clinical that I think they could, again, sleepwalk their way into 2-0 against what is like a feisty Japan team. But I almost wonder if like Japan looks at this and go, yes, I know statistically they're still alive, but it's like we had such a chance to end this thing into advance that like there's just like a mental barrier there where it's like we could have done this and you're never. Can you actually get over that against what is potentially like the team that could win it all in Spain? I, I just don't have any faith in Japan here, Paul.
2: Yeah. I, I understand that, and I mean Spain has looked really good. Uh, maybe the best team of the tournament, even though they only have four points uh, so far. That game against Germany was was very high level and enjoyable to watch, even for a, a one-one draw that felt like it could have ended like four to three, but uh, fair, fairly fair result anyway. So yeah, I if. I have to pick something to bet on in this group. It's probably Spain. Yeah. Playing a goal. Uh, so you get that two goal win because I have the most confidence in them of any of these four teams and doing what we think they'll do.
0: Yep. All right. Move on to group F, which is, you know, probably more interesting than I think maybe some of us thought. Now, this is the Croatia sitting at the top with four points. Morocco. Uh, it's like Morocco before the tournament didn't have any mm-hmm. money on them, but because I didn't really know who I liked more out of Morocco and Canada. Um, But I knew I didn't like Belgium and Belgium sit with three points after the loss to Morocco in which Morocco I thought were they would toe to toe and deserve that result fully and Canada sitting at the bottom as I mentioned with zero points earlier who have played well but just you know it's their first World Cup in, you know a couple decades and I think it was like they're happy to be here but yeah. I don't think they're going to lay down if we're talking yeah. about you know having to play you know this Morocco team on the final day so. Let's, uh, let's go through the scenarios first, but before we talk about our bets.
2: Yeah, this one's probably maybe the simplest, really. Croatia and Morocco each advance to the winner draw. Croatia's playing Belgium. Morocco's playing Canada. Belgium has to beat Croatia to get through, and Canada's out already. So, relatively straightforward, at least at the surface level here.
0: So, I'm sitting on a ticket of Belgium to not advance. So, I would I. likely just... So, are, are, is that... Are you going to just let that be your bet for yeah. this round, then? Yeah, so, I mean...
2: I have that ticket and I have a Croatia win the group ticket. So they're kind of the same thing at this point. Um, And then I was like you, where I couldn't quite decide between Morocco and Canada as my, who's going to finish out of Belgium. And I went with Canada and that ended up poorly, but uh, yeah, so I'm not playing the Croatia Belgium game just because I essentially already have kind of the same ticket twice Mm -hmm. in that one. Uh, I've been very impressed with Morocco. I mean, we knew they had some guys. What will be interesting to me here is, like who's going to have the ball and what are they going to do with it? Because both these teams kind of preferred to not have the ball against the first two teams, which worked out well. I mean, that plays, that's just kind of the natural way the game is going to play out, but Morocco's at 35% possession and candidates had 49%. Although a lot of that is just because they needed a goal, especially late in the second game. So I'm not totally sure what this game's going to look like, but I have been very impressed with Morocco's defense. only give up 15 shots and, one, ex- no one goals. and a half expected goals, no goals against Belgium and Croatia. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of the best, you know, to use the NFL term, like the best unit on the field looks like it's Morocco's defense. Uh, so yeah, I would lean Morocco in this game. And the only question is like, they only are they going to play for a draw or are they going to still have that edge of aggressiveness because a draw will get them through, but the win is obviously a little bit safer. Um, so yeah, I would lean toward Morocco in this game though
0: the morocco canada under two and a half is minus 132 the under one and a half is plus 235 this is a ca- explosive canadian team but a team that has not really like the end product just kind of hasn't been there and yeah. you know, obviously we had they went they go up one nil against croatia on a r- incredible cross and headed finish by alfonso davies um but you know you miss the penalty like they're they, they get up and down they're like one of those like hot, hot, fast paced sort of like college basketball teams but they're just the end. I just don't know that I trust them right now. Finishing and yep. again, as you mentioned, it Morocco are just so 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 stout at the back. I kind of lean maybe you just take them both and hope you hit, hope you hit both. And maybe you can hit one out of the two, yeah. and you're still probably fine there. Um, if you if you kind of split the money in a way that makes the most sense. Uh, so I I don't I would lean Morocco too, but I don't necessarily because again Canada I don't think is going to be you know I know they're out, but I don't think they're just going to lay down. I think they're still going to want to put on a good right. performance and not finish with zero points. The other game is interesting to me because. I think the interesting thing, too, is is we should have paid attention to Kevin De Bruyne, who literally said Belgium were too old to, to, to compete in <laughs> He's this tournament. Right. He He's is right. correct. He is correct. But does the old man still have like one like one punch left in the tank? You know, I think Croatia is just a better team. But again, you mentioned it before, Croatia, like we just worry about their center forward skills. Now, it didn't really matter against Canada, but Canada just they leave themselves wide open all the time. And I kind of compare them to like a Mike Leach team because they just like they're fun. They t- typically <laughs> punch above their weight, but they ultimately like aren't good enough to really do anything significant. Um I think I would lean Croatia in this game, yeah. but I don't I don't know that I have a
2: great I don't know that I have a great feel for it, Paul. Yeah, I think I think you can get a pretty good price on Croatia just because uh their situation, they don't have to win. So you can get, well, it was plus 175 like a couple hours ago. It's plus one sixty five on FanDuel now. I still think that's pretty decent. That's that's the way I would go if I didn't basically already have plays on this game. I mean, it's it's the same logic behind the first two games. You know, Belgium's not that good, especially at the back. Uh Croatia has the perfect midfield to take advantage of that, even if they haven't necessarily found the right guy. Maybe a couple of goals for Kamara is going to mean he's suddenly the guy. Uh, but just yeah, like Croatia more. De Bruyne has been so out of sorts, like weird man. Yeah, just I mean, it, you just watch and he makes passes that you just don't see, and it's not just a Man City thing. Like they're just not accurate. And you look at the numbers behind, like his pass percentage or pass completion percentage is basically at the bottom of his Belgium career. So There's just a very weird. Thing to see, it's it almost feels like watching somebody who's washed up, and this is the end of their career, and they don't quite have it anymore. But he's still in his prime, and he's looked great for Man City, and is the Premier League player of the season. So it's all it's all very confusing. But this Belgium team is kind of who we thought they were.
0: If if Skip Bayless was doing soccer analysis, <laughs> analysis he would call he would call Kevin De Bruyne an assistant player. And uh. <laughs> he, he needs Pep Guardiola to succeed, which is incredibly stupid. And I say that tongue in cheek, yes. but uh, yeah, it has been weird. Like he just hasn't. Maybe he just doesn't like this. I, this I Belgian know, team it's the definition of the bad vibes, man. I don't know what it is. Like Lukaku's old. The defense is old. Roberto Martinez. Like, uh, there's just, I don't like the vibes coming out of the camp. So that's that, that if anything is the reason I would probably take Croatia in this, but, uh, but uh, yeah. All right. Two more groups left here before we get to our best bets, Brazil and group G, they are through six points, top of the group, Switzerland with three points, Cameroon and Serbia playing a hell of a three, three draw this morning. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I woke up to that. that one. It's fantastic. Just Serbia, just letting me down, but Serbia still, Still can get through with a win. So, Paul, give us the scenarios.
2: Yep. So, this one, yeah, you said Brazil's already through. Uh, Switzerland needs a win, or they go through with a draw if Cameroon doesn't win. Uh, Cameroon has to win. Uh, Cameroon and Serbia, is it's weird. Neither one can get through without some sort of help, but they basically have to win and either win the tiebreaker or uh, have the other one not win. So, it gets, it gets kind of weird for those two. Uh, but, yeah, Switzerland goes through with a win. Cameroon has to win and win a tiebreaker. Serbia would get a win, uh, and Cameroon doesn't win.
0: The other interesting thing about this group is that Neymar, uh, obviously out today, yeah. he has a, a what, just a golf, a baseball basically on his yeah. ankle. It doesn't it doesn't look very good. The manager blamed himself, essentially saying he left him out there for you know, like ten minutes too long because he didn't know that the injury was that bad. He says he expects him back at some point during the tournament, which is sort of vague. Does that mean like? knockout right. round. Does that mean the final? Like, what are we talking? I do think Brazil lacked a little bit of creativity today, but they're just so deep with attacking players that, and against a good Switzerland team too, that is very well organized. Yep. So I don't know, I don't know really what to make of that. I don't know that like, I don't like Brazil now because Neymar might miss a couple of games, even if one of them's a knockout, but mm. something to watch there. But as far as the teams that still have to kind of play their way in, Paul, talk me in or out of this. Like I love the Serbia. So I don't love a side in Switzerland, <laughs> Serbia. I like, I like Serbia coming in as like a dark horse. I think that they can still be that, but I don't really trust them against what is it? Just like a veteran Switzerland team that I yep. don't. I think it's going to be hard to break down. I kind of love the under two and a half here at minus one twenty four.
2: I did too. It was uh, even better a little bit earlier, which tells you which way it's going. Um, Switzerland is a professional team. In like every sense of the word, it's, it's a cliche, but they're, I mean, it's that Swiss clockwork, something they just, they do exactly what they have to do. They did it in qualifying. They just kind of grinded their way through, uh, finished ahead of Italy. Did, you know, they just do enough, you know, get their goal or two. Don't let the other team score and and move on. This is what they do. And I expect to see the same thing here. Uh, again, they go through with a win. They're probably going to go through with a draw. And again, once you know, Brazil is beating Cameroon, presumably then Switzerland, I expect to just lock up shop. So yeah, this feels like such an under game. I mean, the only way I feel like it's not is if Serbia just like gets something in the first five or 10 minutes and then obviously Switzerland has to come out of a show. And yeah, it's definitely possible. They've got the pieces to do it. Uh, But this just screams under to me and Switzerland is just going to pull a Switzerland and shut this thing down.
0: Yeah. You know, I I really liked Serbia coming in the tournament because I think Dusan Vlaovic is He's not at the Erling Haaland like level as far as young no, strikers, but, but I think he's great a, with
2: different teams. And I think he's done. like
0: a, just a step below that. He is excellent, and he's he's not playing. And the coach is basically blaming Juventus for fish for fitness issues. And <laughs> Philip Kostic didn't play in the first match as well. Like I don't even know that they're playing their best team. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to back this team if I don't know? The, I, I know Alexander right. Mitrovic is fantastic. You know he probably should have had more goals today. Um, and has been pan- fantastic for Fulham and fantastic for Serbia. He's like uh, just absolutely like world world beaters type uh, goal numbers for them. But I think you got to figure out a way to get your best players. It's like another thing with Southgate and Bearhalter, Like find a way to get your best players on the field. Don't worry about the system. And if they're not going to play that guy, then I, they have nobody to blame but them. It's kind of like how I feel about Portugal too, which we'll get to in a yeah. second. Not playing Rafael Leal, who is their best attacking player. Yep. I, I, like. You, if if you get knocked out, then you, don't, you that's what you deserve because you're just not playing your best players. So, I think you know you're right. Early goal does make me nervous, but Switzerland they're just I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of terrified now. As excited as I was about Serbia early, I'm not terrified to bet against Switzerland.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Switzerland, Serbia under two and a half is is one of my favorite players for this. Anything anything in the other game? Uh, not particularly. I mean. I was going to say, we don't know who Brazil going to throw out there, but does it really matter when you've got you know, yeah. nine attackers that would start for 90% of other teams in the world? Yeah, you're bringing Gabby uh, Jesus
0: and Anthony off the bench. Like yeah. that's, you know, every he they probably walk into like 90% of the teams in the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels ovary just that in the sense, I mean, you saw how open Cameroon played today. It feels like that sort of thing again, where, but, you know, you look at the price and, you know, over two and a half is already minus 150. You want to go over three and a half and plus 176. I don't hate it. Sprinkle um, it. Yep. But, you know, Brazil's also the thing is, for all this attacking talent Brazil has, like their defense is really what's, I think they about five goals in all of qualifying. And so it, I guess now I'm talking to myself out of the over I just threw out there. So this is probably going to be a stay away for me just because this game could get a little squirrely. But I, I do still kind of lean over uh, just because if Cameroon's going to open up, Brazil could just cut them to pieces with whoever's out on the field.
0: Yep. All right. Last group here. And this just kind of ended today. So, you know, early leans on this for us is is probably the the way we're looking at it. But this is Group H. Portugal, they're through uh, with six points at the top of the table. Ghana with a huge win over South Korea, second with with, uh, three points, South Korea in third with one. Uruguay sitting bottom of the table going into the final day. Paul,
2: give us the uh, scenarios here. you are saying my uh, Uruguay to win the group bet's not going to work out here? Probably
0: not. Uh, I still have hope, though. They're 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 not dead yet. They're not dead (laughs) yet in the tournament.
2: Yeah. So Portugal's through. Uh, the simple scenarios beyond that Ghana needs a win or a draw. If South Korea does not win, Uruguay has to have a win and the South Korea loss or draw uh, South Korea has to win and get an Uruguayan and win some tiebreakers or they win by multiple goals. So, uh, more or less everyone except Portugal needs to win. And then there may be some help involved as well. So Ghana Uruguay though. So this is, I mean, I know this was 12 years ago, but this is a, a rematch of sorts of that great quarterfinal. In 2010 in South Africa, yep. when I, I was at this game in the stands, which was maybe the best sporting experience I've ever had in my life, uh, when Suarez punched the ball off the goal line, Gian missed the penalty, and it went to extra time and a shootout. Yeah, uh, just I mean, it was an it was ninety thousand fans. You know, eighty nine thousand seven hundred were cheering for Ghana because obviously you're in Africa and no African team made the semifinals. There's this little pocket of blue uh, down near the Uruguay bench, and that was about it. And just living and dying with everything, and it was—it got so quiet when a penalt- when the penalty was missed and the game was over. Just one of my favorite sporting experiences ever.
0: I mean, I just I root for the African teams just because their fans are the best. Like, they great. I, like they yeah. are just the absolute most unique, creative fans. Like they're always coming, and you know the Ghanaian fans are that way. We saw it with the Senegalese fans for sure. The Cameroon fans today were going nuts. Like I just—they're just awesome, man. I just it's a joy they, I, to. As, it, as I said know? last week, we need more African teams in the World Cup. I, I feel yeah. like five is not enough. Um, having said that. Early leans on this for me, I like Uruguay money line. They're, I just don't think they're gonna go out go down without a fight. I don't think they look they were as bad as the two nothing result today against Portugal. Uh they look like a little bit disjointed up front like Nunes doesn't look great I don't know about Cavani Suarez obviously coming off the bench so that would be my lean in the first game and the second game I kind of lean South Korea plus one or the double chance I think they've been a little bit unlucky um, and they still have a ton to play for so again this might change because it's like like we're recording this you know a couple hours after these games have been finished and I don't know if I have fully looked into it yet but that's kind of where I'm leaning Paul
2: yeah just confuses me a little bit you know a little bit like Serbia in the sense that they've got all these pieces and they just don't Seem to fit together, but like you, you see everyone who's on the field. You're like, why isn't this team better at attacking? Why aren't you trying to attack? Uh, look at all, look at all the guys you have, uh, but they just haven't done it yet. And I feel like this game against Ghana could get ugly in the the physical, angry type of sense. But yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what I feel about this one. This is one of the games I just want to watch more than anything else in this final set of group games with Uruguay and Ghana playing each other, but I don't have a good sense of, or a lean yet as far as where to go from a betting standpoint.
0: How about the other game, Portugal South Korea?
2: Yeah, this is another... <laughs> just where, too early to Kind of like Brazil. Who's Portugal going to throw out there? But the flip side of that is, oh, well, they're going to start Leao, who probably should be starting anyway. Uh, but yeah, I would kind of lean towards South Korea just because, I mean, they again, they're a good team. This is not a... End of the tournament type of team that you know we've we've seen a lot from them so far. Portugal's done enough. They haven't been exactly convincing. So, you know, if they dial it back at all, then South Korea should be in really good shape. So yeah, I lean South Korea right now as well.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on then to our best bets. You have gone through every group. So as always, we give you three of our favorite bets at the end of every pod. Last week, not super kind to me, Paul. Uh, started off with a two-in-one week and went over last week. I had a couple unlucky results. So I really, that, again, that Senegal Qatar, I had, I had under two and a half. I just felt like I love that, and I still do. I still make that bet tomorrow. Mexico, Argentina, over two and a half, I lost. And then Tunisia somehow lost Australia. But if you, it's not a total loss because I did give you Poland as well, which was the bonus pick. So did like Poland there. You I believe went uh what, two and one last week? So I think I you're think sitting so. at, yeah. I think you're sitting at five hundred. So I'm two and four, you're three and three on the season. You what had I think Japan to win to nil, which is a loss, but you had the under in the USA, England, and uh Bel you had Belgium and Morocco as a draw, but we'll give you partial credit there because if you just took the, the double chance and you then you know you get the W there. So right, I think it. that's a good bet as well. So I'll let you start it off. What's your first best bet going into the uh, final group stage game?
2: I mean, I'm going back to what I mentioned as far as the US goes. Under half a goal in the first half or nil-nil at halftime, plus one seventy. I just think it's a good Price. I think that's how these teams are going to come out cautiously. Don't blow it early from either standpoint, and you know a couple of kind of defense-first mindsets means not a lot of good chances in the first half. So I think it'll look you know a lot like that England game in the sense that neither team uh, was super aggressive or had great shots. So under half a goal, plus one seventy in Iran, US first half. That's
0: good. Uh, speaking of England, my first one's going to be I'm just going to go there. I think England wins this two nil or or, or better. It's plus one thirty, England minus one. So. I know it's, again, rivalry game, still a lot to play for. This England team is going to be mad about what the U.S. result was, and they want to win the group. I don't know. It's Again, I don't think it's 6-2, but I think it's a significant scoreline
2: in England's favor. Yep, that sounds good. I'm going to go. We talked about this one. I don't know. might be stealing one from you, but under two and a half goals in Saudi Arabia, Mexico, plus 106 is the last price I saw. Again, Mexico has shown no signs of life offensively. Uh, Saudi Arabia has on occasion, but you know, you finish a couple of longest shots against Argentina for a couple of their goals. Uh, just, yeah. So under two and a half, Mexico, good defense, bad offense. I think that means a tight game. And if anyone gets more than a goal, I'd be kind of surprised. I'm going
0: to, we talked about this earlier. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Switzerland, Serbia under two and a half, minus minus one twenty four. Yeah. I think I just, I love that. I love that because I just think that Switzerland is just a more experienced team. And while I like Serbia's talent, I like them before the tournament. I just haven't liked the mentality and I haven't liked the lineups I've seen from them. So, uh, I, before the group stage, I would have hundred percent take hundred percent would have taken Serbia. Um, yeah. because they, again, they topped a group with Portugal in it and qualifying, but this just looks like a different team. There's different vibes. So under two and a half in Serbia, Switzerland for me.
2: Yep. And you stole my third pick too. So I'm, I'm going to take the same thing. There all the go. same reasons, Switzerland again, they're just going to get it done. Serbia definitely has a higher ceiling with, with all the guys and the talent and what they've shown, uh, more in qualifying than the World Cup itself, but we haven't seen it yet. Switzerland, again, this is what the Swiss do. They didn't qualify, and I think they'll grind out another uh, win or or draw is all they need, really, in all likelihood, assuming Brazil takes care of business against Cameroon. So yeah, under two and a half, I like here too. All right. And this one's
0: for you, Paul, my final best bet, because okay. I know you have a, I know you have a Germany future. Uh, so <laughs> it doesn't, that
2: doesn't look so good now.
0: <laughs> oh, it's fine. Cause I, cause I'm, I got to move it on. So I think I, what I said before, it's going to be a parlay. I know FanDuel loves the same game parlays. If you want to, if you think, which we all think Germany is going to win this game. This I think is the route uh, with the most value Germany money line versus Costa Rica, the over one and a half goals and both teams to score. No. So essentially you're just saying Germany's going to win two nil or better. Uh, I, I think that happens. As I mentioned, Costa Rica, four shots all tournament. Yes, they scored right. a goal. That Japan result, as bad as it was for Japan, there was a lot of luck involved in that as well. I think, I think Germany I think Germany has second life, and I think they, 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 don't, they don't forget that they could have been very easily out of this tournament, and I think they take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good way to play it. I mean, like I said, Costa Rica's had four shots, so you're basically betting that they won't score one of those two shots they'll probably end up with in the game. Yeah, will that one of those two counterattack chances work out. You're betting that won't happen and that Germany will just be Germany. They've had tons of chances. I mean, they had tons of chances against Japan. It wasn't like uh, Germany just played terribly. They had all opportunities. They had over three expected goals. I think it was the most expected goals that a team's had at the World Cup in a loss, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So they look good. They just didn't finish. So as long as Germany is being normal Germany and finishing occasionally, they should roll in this one.
0: All right. That'll do it for me and Paul today. Paul, we missed anything? Anything before we go? I don't
2: think so. I'm ready to root for chaos. You know, once the bets are out the window, then I just want the dumbest scenarios possible. We got a team, you know, Senegal got eliminated on yellow cards, basically, in 2018, uh, which is a little tough. But I love tracking these scenarios through the game, and there's some groups that could get messy, and uh, just coming down to you know one goal here and there, someone's got to win by multiple goals, and it's going to get weird. It's
0: we got to do better than fair play, by the way, for a tiebreaker. At that point, like at least have it be something competitive. Like, can we get just like a rock paper scissors game? Like, we don't. It, it shouldn't just go to the, the yellow cards because that's like situational. Right. Sometimes you got to take a yellow because yeah, you know you need it in the situation. I just I hate I hate I know that's like what the, the tenth tiebreaker or whatever it yeah. is. It's, but it's
2: not that far. It is, but a lot of the you know, like head to head, there's three tiebreakers in there, but they're all the same as long as there's only two teams. Yeah, it. yeah. I feel like there should be something better. I mean, people throw out like more corner kicks, but that's penalty I, I don't, shootout. I, just do a penalty shootout on an off day. There you go. Like, come on, of, like, yeah. Just, Everybody come back tomorrow. We, we got to be a, better. Uh, I mean, heck, you're in Qatar. None of these teams are more than like half an hour away from each other. So just uh, yeah, get do, on a bus, find some stadium in the middle. Say, well, okay, we're gonna be an hour and a half to get here. We're gonna do a shootout. Let's go.
0: I, I think that's the, listen, who is not watching that? It's, uh, it's yeah, fifteen
2: it's the 15 most exciting minutes you'll watch
0: all right. day. Like, come on, right. let's go. Let's right. do it. the
2: game the game's wrap up. You got an hour post-game to set up the penalty shootout while the teams get there and everyone's it's ridiculous chaos and we all love it.
0: Yeah, Fox will Fox will sign up for that tomorrow.
2: Oh yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right.
0: We will be back on Friday, regardless of the US result oh which we hope they're going to be there but we will be back on Friday with our knockout picks and knockout round starts over the weekend so pretty exciting stuff there it's going to be you know it's just it's good old-fashioned nervous energy for the next 20 20 hours yeah. or so Paul before this U.S. game so fingers crossed um, thanks to Paul Carr as always true media um, thanks to our guy Mike Wargon for producing this podcast and listen good luck to the U.S. and good luck to uh, everyone on their best we'll catch you at the end of the week